0: Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion.
1: Hey, Brittany. Hi, Connor. You know, uh, a while back, there were a lot of protests, and there still are here and there, about the police. And so I wanted to take a minute and have a conversation with you. Uh, maybe let me ask, what what were those protests like in your neck of the woods Uh, We live kind of on different sides of the country. Did did you kind of notice there were a lot of protests in your community?
0: Well, I was actually an interesting uh, point where I was in Utah when they started. So I was in your neck of the woods when they started and I was pretty scared with how crazy things were getting even there. And then I flew back into DC and things were pretty much on fire here. So it was pretty scary.
1: Yeah. There's been a lot of people who've been upset and I think it'd be helpful to talk about some of the reasons. I think the Uh, most of the protests started, you know, really concerned about race. Um, uh, There were, you know, some black people who were hurt and um, killed and and a lot of people got really angry about it. And I I think there are very legitimate reasons for that. But there's also been this tension about law enforcement or police that's even bigger um, than issues just dealing with uh, racism. And so a lot of people have been really paying a lot more close attention, I think, um, to issues dealing with police, but one thing that I've found interesting, we actually work on these types of issues uh, in my day job, as you know, Brittany. and as we talk to a lot of people about the police there's there's kind of an interesting pattern where um part of the the main problem is that there's just a lot of laws that the government is required okay. to to enforce so uh, Brittany, have you ever heard the idea that we are all felons? In other words, we're all lawbreakers. Have you ever heard that concept?
0: Yes, I think it, like the average person even commits like two felonies a day or something like that. Maybe it's three.
1: Yeah, I think there's a book called Three Felonies a Day. And the author uh, was talking about this concept and how there's just so many laws on the books where uh, people don't even know the laws they're breaking. They don't even really realize they're breaking the law. Another way to think about this, too, is, um, and so I have a lot of friends who are in law enforcement. So we talk about these issues a lot. Um, I also have a lot of friends, uh, even more friends than who are police, a lot of friends who are uh, uh, criminal defense attorneys. In other words, if you ever get in trouble with the police, you're going to want to call a, a defense attorney, someone who will help defend you against the government. And so I work with a lot of these attorneys. And several years ago, they made a really interesting point. Um, And and it's something I've paid attention to ever since. And that is, if a police officer wants to arrest you, um, they're going to be able to find a way. Mm -hmm. And one of the easiest examples that these attorneys have pointed to me is traffic laws. Now, this really just applies to the adults. Um, But it's really interesting where there are so many laws dealing with how you're supposed to drive that let's say officers are wanting to go after me cuz you know they don't like my political views or maybe I'm black or they think I'm doing something else but they don't have evidence for it well they can just follow me on the road and chances are I'm going to you know drive too closely to the car in front of me or I'm going to change lanes without blinking my uh, my blinker for 2 seconds right or maybe I'll go 1 mile an hour over the speed limit things like that so then it becomes very easy to Pull someone over. Start talking to them. Maybe that person's had a bad day, and the the altercation or this kind of uh, incident between a person, and the police officer, you know, can sometimes get heated. Sometimes tensions will go up, and that it starts leading to a lot of these problems, where maybe the police officer shoots the other guy, or there's you know, uh, some some violence that happens or whatever. So a lot of this, I think, boils down to the fact that we're asking police officers to just do a lot. Brittany, as you think about policing today. Versus policing, maybe when you and I were extremely young or even before we were alive. What kind of contrast do you uh, observe between the way policing, quote unquote, used to be and the way it is today?
0: Yeah, and I don't think this is even in my day. I think this is before our time. But, uh, you know, I used to see the typical American town and you'd see like a sheriff, right? A community sheriff who knew everybody in the neighborhood. He even knew like the local town drunk, right? I'm thinking of what's the show I'm thinking of? The Whistling. You know what I'm thinking of.
1: Oh, I'm trying to remember now that you put me on the spot. I don't remember.
0: No, I can't remember, but famous show. (laughs) Um, Anyway. (laughs) Famous enough that we can
1: remember it on the spot.
0: But there used to be this vibe of like local police knew the community. And so they didn't over penalize somebody. You didn't have any instances of like police brutality like we see now because everybody knew each other. And it was more of like a community, like a family, like a big family. And now you don't really see that. A lot of the police officers don't know or don't live in the communities they're serving. And so there's a little bit of a disconnect, right? They're not really understanding each other. And I think that's the biggest thing we're seeing. And I think it's leading to a lot of problems because people don't understand each other anymore.
1: There's an interesting uh, book called Rise of the Warrior Cop that I read several years ago. It's by a gentleman named Radley Balco. And he talks about this transition, uh, Brittany, like you were just mentioning, where, you know, community policing, where the police officer would be kind of one of the people and, and you know, policing among his neighbors. Whereas now you have kind of this warrior cop who uh, is trained to see individuals in the community where he works as enemies, uh, that he works in a combat zone. Uh very much like the military it uh, sounds trained, like war almost. Yes. Very much like the military trains its soldiers to uh be willing to, you know, use force against other people, almost see them as like not our equals and not humans and so forth. It's really interesting. And so in the book, he gives all these examples of how officers are trained this way, how the culture has shifted this way. Um, and so you definitely see now when you go out on the streets. You know, back in the day it was a police officer wearing a blue shirt and, you know, just walking among the community. And now it's like what's called riot gear, right? When mm-hmm. police officers basically look like soldiers and they have all kinds of you know and gear you and
0: tanks. I mean, you see that during protests.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah. What what's very interesting about that, Brittany, there's a program that the federal government, the the national government has where with all the wars that they're involved in that they've been involved in for you know decades now they ha- they of course use tanks grenade launchers guns helicopters things like that but after a few years of using them in the military you know in the middle east or wherever they're fighting these wars they will then um give them away they'll buy new ones so they're always using you know the latest and greatest but then with the old equipment the old tanks and helicopters and so forth um, as of about 15 or 20 years ago, they've started to give those ol- the old equipment to local police. And so oh, local scary. police used to just have traditional cars and stuff. And yeah, now they have tanks and helicopters and grenade launchers. And so it definitely has helped uh, or encouraged, I think, a lot of police officers to, uh, to kind of think of themselves almost as soldiers working in this community. To see dangerous people as not just someone having a bad day or maybe they have a mental health problem or what, you know, something that we can kind of help calm them down and resolve the situation. But, hey, that's a threat, and I need to, you know, stop that threat. I think that's that's really kind of harmful because police, like, we want people to keep the peace. We want uh, bad guys held accountable. But when we talk about this and the Tuttle Twins Learn About the Law, this concept where, sometimes there can be bad guys in government. And when it's the, in fact, there's kind of this fictional example of, you know, what if the police officer stole some tomatoes for the lady across the street? Would that be wrong? Well, of course it is, even though it's a police officer doing it. And so we we don't want this, this society, I think, where police officers um, are the ones kind of abusing others' rights or causing problems. Um, and so the, I think the question for us is, how do we kind of turn the tide back? How do we try and uh, prevent this. I don't know what your thoughts there are, Brittany.
0: Well, that's a little hard because of something, and this has come up a lot in the news. In fact, I'm sure some of our listeners have heard this um, anywhere, really. Something called qualified immunity, and what that does is instead of saying, "All right, a police officer did something bad to someone, they violated their constitutional rights," we've talked about rights a bunch um, that that you would be able to basically take them to court and say, "All right, this is wrong," and a judge would say, "Okay, you need to pay money or you need to do this." Well, qualified immunity is actually a legal doctrine that was created by judges that protects police officers. So if you have something bad happen to you, if you um, are mistaken, like your identity is mistaken and somebody thinks that you are a Robert uh, Connor, let's say maybe you fit the description of somebody who just robbed a store and is you know, fleeing and you get picked up. And let's say maybe because they think that you are a bad guy, you get hit in the face or something happens. Now, since you are not a bad guy, normally you should be able to sue and say, "All right, this happened to me, and I didn't even I didn't even know what was going on." But with qualified immunity, that would never happen. You're not even allowed to seek recourse. So basically, a lot of bad cops or a lot of cops who made mistakes don't ever get any punishment or any discipline, and so the whole thing just keeps happening.
1: Maybe let me uh, offer this example to make it relatable to to kids. I, I think of myself as a parent in a situation. What what if one of my children had this qualified immunity that you're talking about? And let's say it's my son. And so my son has immunity, which means he's never going to be held accountable when he does something wrong. Well, the listeners are already kind of, you know, maybe snickering a little bit, understanding mm-hmm. what that would be like, right? He can steal things from his sister. He can sneak candy that he shouldn't have. He can, you know, beat up on his sister or take, you know, the toy or whatever, Um, knowing that there won't be any accountability, knowing that he's going to be able to get away with it. It becomes an incentive to be able to do bad things. Not to say that he's a bad kid or that police officers are bad people, but when the government creates this type of incentive where, hey, if something bad happens or if you do something bad, you won't be held accountable, what I think that does is it attracts certain people to that profession of policing who are maybe uh, more willing to boss people around, right? Who do want to be able to, you know, go on a, a SWAT team call where they get to like shoot at people because it's like this adrenaline rush, like playing video games or who knows, right? But when when you have a government that says, oh, hey, if anything bad happens to you or if you do anything bad, nothing bad will happen to you. Well, there are certain people I think in the world who would be attracted to that type of career. And I don't think that's the type of police we want. We don't want anyone uh, who's behaving that way. And so we got to figure out a way to to get around it. In fact, Brittany, maybe you can give a little update. The Supreme Court uh, here was going to maybe hear some case, but uh, some cases dealing with qualified immunity, but then they decided not to, right?
0: No. And that's the scary part about this is the only place we can change this law is in the courts. Now, now there have been some lawmakers who tried to propose some policing reforms, which is like big pieces of legislation where they can maybe change the system, but those take a long time. Sometimes they don't even get passed. So the Supreme Court was going to have an opportunity to kind of talk about it and say, no, this isn't right. And they refused to hear it. Only, I think it was only one justice dissented, basically only one judge who said, no, we should definitely change this law. And that was uh, my favorite, Clarence Thomas. But I believe everybody else was against even hearing the case. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't look like it's going to get changed through the Supreme Court.
1: You know, we, we talk about police, but I, I think there's a couple other synonyms or other ways to refer to police uh, that are kind of interesting for this discussion. On the one hand, they're sometimes called peace officers, um, and that's kind of been a historical nickname, if you will, or term used to refer to police. And then on the other hand, you, use a ter- you have a term that you and I have used a little bit here on the show or in this episode specifically, and that is law enforcement officer. Right. And so you think about if it's a peace officer, your your kind of vision for that role is really just keeping the peace, making sure that, you know, people aren't hurting one another or violating one another's rights. And so you're kind of a peacekeeper. You're just making sure that everyone is kind of doing their thing and leaving everyone else, you know, alone, not bothering people. And then on the other hand, you have the the law enforcement officer. I think of, wasn't there like a 1980s uh, movie, like a RoboCop, right? RoboCop, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't watched that in like forever, so I don't even remember if it's a good example, but I at least think of this like robotic type of enforcer, right? I have this law I must enforce. And so as legislatures and elected officials say, here's a law, there's a law, let's make all these new laws. Well, every time they do that, the people who you know, don't follow those laws, um, can have the police come after them. And I remember uh, Eric Garner's name of one of these uh, black uh, gentlemen who was targeted by police and really upset a lot of people with what happened because all he was doing was selling cigarettes. Now, those are bad for you, but there's a lot of adults who choose to smoke. And in New York, where he was, there was a law saying that you couldn't sell cigarettes um, outside of their carton, because what and would happen is right. people people would buy like a pack of cigarettes, and, they, and that, and then, excuse me, they would take single cigarettes, what which they nicknamed Lucy's, because they were loose from the package. And they would try and sell individual cigarettes just to people on the street, and they'd mark up the price a little bit. So these are like mini entrepreneurs in a way, right? But New York had said, you're not allowed to do that, probably because they couldn't tax the uh, transaction. Uh, But they had this law. And so this gentleman, Eric Garner, was doing this. He was selling uh, cigarettes, Lucy's, uh, to other adults. And the officer came up, and one thing led to another. And the officer ended up putting Eric into a chokehold. A lot of people have heard in recent protests this you know term "I can't breathe," and uh, you know Eric Garner used that term himself. He was you know choked and and eventually uh, was killed by police all over selling a single cigarette. Now we can say smoking is bad, and we can say, okay, you know, maybe there's a reason for that law or whatever. But when police become the Robocop you know law enforcement officer, um they end up, you know creating harm, creating even death where there was totally a different way to do things or even just let's not have a law for that at all because really like do we really want to send police to you know create uh, problems where maybe none exist i think that's the danger with with policing is that we need to get back to this idea of peace officers and just keeping the peace between people so that we can all prosper and get along versus, hey, whatever, you know, the mayor says, or whatever the governor says, I'm now the robocop to come and, and force it on everyone. That's not really the vision of policing that I enjoy very much.
0: No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, and it just, I think it kind of sums up everything that we need to be, we need to change these laws, we need to get rid of qualified immunity because people are actually dying, right? And that's, that's pretty sad. But I think that there's hope. I think people, a lot of people are starting to realize that we have a problem. I don't know what you think, but that's what I think.
1: I I think so. And I think more people are becoming aware um, of these issues. We'll link on the show notes page to the Rise of the Warrior Cop book, which is really interesting. Uh, There's also a documentary that might be worth sharing for, certainly for the adults, probably wouldn't be appropriate for the kids, but it's called Peace Officer. um, And it deals with some of these issues. Uh, As I said, we've been working on these issues for a few years. And so I'm actually in that documentary and it was it was very fun to do. Um, there's a lot of uh, important discussions to be had, because uh, especially for the kids, right? Parents want to teach their kids to respect authority, to do what you're asked. But we also have this weird thing where sometimes the authority is wrong. Sometimes what they're asking is is a bad idea, and the laws that they're enforcing are a problem. So um it raises questions of when is it okay to resist? and you know, when is it okay to say no? certainly a a very interesting subject. So check out the show notes page uh, uh, for today's episode. You guys, you can find all the show notes pages at tuttletwins.com slash podcast. Scroll down, find the episode that you listen to. Make sure to subscribe, share with friends. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks again, Brittany. See
0: you next time. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out tuttletwins.com for more
1: awesome content.